like I'll have like a rough like inkling of it and it's sort of like in my mind fuzzy and I'm like I know there's something I want to write about but I need to like pick at it and try to like slowly form the image of like what is it that I'm trying to say or what do I want to say. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today I have Gennaro Jr. <laughs> you may know Gennaro Jr. from UIUC Hip Hop Collective, Hidden Renaissance Collective. Gennaro, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I really wish I could have been there in person, but you know, the cookie crumbles and all that. You know, we just make it work as best we can and I appreciate you doing that and helping me make this still happen. Today we're going to be listening to your song American Gothic off of the album Pentimento. Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Picture perfect inspires impatience. Mere presence is a threat to the sanctity in the essence. 
Don't mention shit if it doesn't fit or can't be handled Caught a tradition, praise the Lord and pass the ammo Fragile white mind, suppress terror, praise ancestors Praise non-violence, erase riots, recite scripture From deserts to suburbs, a migration takes place Dreamers, mothers and fathers on foot day to day Painted as rapists, drug dealers and convicts, no shelter here Liberty with exceptions, the function of state-sponsored fear When men in black fast knock on doors and don't ask questions Innovators captured in the cages for detention The attention don't forget No neural lies are necessary No publication will mention them These people are imaginary There is homeless in the streets Famine and disease These people are imaginary Threats to civil beings No publication will mention them These people are imaginary No publication mentions them These people are imaginary The public feels like oppression for the comfy It's just enough for some and our land of plenty Just enough for some and our land of plenty Walk every day but still come up fucking empty Bless this brown future, pay attention for the comfy Just enough for some and our land of plenty Just enough for some and our land of plenty Walk every day but still come up fucking empty There is armrest in the streets, there is famine and disease There are foreign enemies, threats to civil peace So you believe you are just like me Bless this brown future and pay attention These races are a symptom and raise a greater question How is that leaks of working class American terrorists Storm the capital not for justice but out of carelessness Ignorance pervading through the bully pulpit The same parables parody but never put in practice We're the muckrakers, you left in the ditch in a putrid swamp Reason I stay monopoly on violence, it never stops Law and orders when federalists put kids in cages Law and orders when cops call the rabble for a photo shoot Law and orders when you get choked out for selling loose cigarettes Law and orders when you sack the halls of Congress and get a free pass Logical conclusion to our centuries of damn Quicker to glut the police state, it happens so fast Blessed citizens, inspector of McCarthy having a laugh You only heard of the Patriot Act, expect more of that It's I remember studying in my kitchen And my aunt sat down to have a discussion About the pyramid scheme her and my mom was in Going on and on about the blessings of capitalism Meanwhile her application for legal status was rejected Her cancer scare left her sweating bullets Not to mention her citizen kids she has to put through college I'm not saying she's stupid I'm saying we gotta be honest Acknowledge the disadvantage The poverty is constant The system is working as intended Outsource violence Hegemonic recantations of the same tired talking points Swung on in democracy Self-appointed of course Is that him? He speaks English so well for a brown person. No
Welcome back, Junie. So my first and favorite question to always ask is what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? For me, when I first started working on this album, because originally I had uh, conceptualized it just as like a few tracks and then later on I got the album cover and that's when I really like solidified that like I want to see this project all the way through. For American Gothic, that was one of the songs that I, I had originally written like two years ago. But the lyrics did come first for that song and I had them written for like a long time. I went back and edited and like added a, a few more like stanzas and stuff to it but that was one of the first batches of songs that I had like made and conceptualized from the get-go where I was like I want this song to be a big like epic moment or like the turning point in the rest of the project. It's an excellent piece like I feel it covers so much and I feel like it's deeply personal for you too which yeah. any good songwriter would want to have this depth because it comes off as very genuine. When you've started writing this because it's it's a, it's wait how do I want to I was gonna say like it's a lot of words but I feel like no word is wasted. I feel like everything is where it needs to be. I'm curious, like, what was the first line that you wrote for this? When I first did the initial writing session to it, I think everything that was in there, even when I went back to edit it, I just added it onto it. I didn't really delete anything. So I think the first words that I had in there, in the song right now, are the first words that I wrote, which I think oh. is like, yeah, past ranchers, you know. So it was kind of like, I'm, I was trying to paint this sort of vignette that seemed like very representative of how like my childhood seeing other families like my families all grew up in similar living situations to me and similar circumstances to me so i've just always been surrounded by this long history of just th the way america operates and 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 shit like that and treats you know immigrants in this country i just really wanted to paint a vivid picture to like immerse the person into the song from the get-go i did draw a parallel between the painting called american gothic which is idealized vision of like this is what america is or or even just the the subject matter of that painter has always been let's make things look exactly idealized or this is what america looks like but i i feel in a way, you're turning it on its head and being like, well, this is this is what America really looks like, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, listeners, just real quick. The artist that painted American Gothic was Grant Wood. I didn't mean to put any words in your mouth, but I, I, I'm guessing that there was a little bit of that sense when you titled it American Gothic. Definitely. I really wanted to subvert people's usual thought patterns when they think of that painting, but also just because for me, I've always seen that painting. It stuck out to me. You know, it's pure like Americana and stuff, but I always like look at it. It has such a strange energy to it. It feels like it's haunted because the way that the guy stares at you, it's like he's looking past you and it's always just kind of resonated with me. And I've wanted to sort of capture that like feeling of uneasiness in like a song and especially like playing off of the title like I want people to think of that like to think of that painting and then think of like how it contrasts to what I'm saying in a song and stuff like that. I, I think it's interesting that it seems like you break up the sections into these kind of moments I want to say like the first section before you get to the I'm gonna call it the hook I do have the inability to recognize things and call them the correct thing so if I'm wrong mm -hmm. let me know but I, I'm thinking of the first the the hook would be but the 
the cage of gold glistens with promise is when I think mm-hmm. of that, that being the hook. But I feel this first verse is kind of talking about like, it felt like it was your own story. I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of like drawing from my childhood and the childhood of people I grew up with, people that I know stuff. It's kind of like a big a melting pot of all of them together. One of the things that is, there's like the second section where of the first verse, where regardless the shame manifests in the first and last name, I keep thinking about our sense of the process of immigration of there's such a sense of what people consider as American that there was a long-standing tradition of when people would land at Alice Island that they would change people's names and and mm-hmm. I just feel like to me it's just like such a watering down of what could be really great of this like variety of these things that we try to squash and and make make less than and and uh, to me that that was the first thing that just kind of kicked me in the gut was this idea of like from the get-go it's set up so that people can be ashamed of where they came from and their first and last names which is a sense in a sense like the first thing that people experience about a person right like you introduce yourselves and that's supposed to be able to tell people a little bit about you and like I mean, there's a reason that your name is based upon your family. If family is so important, it's like to be ashamed of that is like getting washing away your family too. So I had a reaction to that like right off the get-go. And, you know, it flows into the whole in a lunchbox, drawing laughs, or in a birthplace, drape yourself in the flag, and ditch Spanish the same way. I really appreciate that sequence of events and the way that you put that out there because it's like, the indoctrination of even going through school. I'll, I'll say I'm very glad at least that um, people it's, can understand and digest that message. It's, like it, it's very satisfying to me to hear that you like kind of pretty much nailed it on the head, what I was going for. I, I always kind of worry that my music will alienate people who don't want to like engage with the content of it or like think about it really. But what I want to do is to make people at least a little bit uncomfortable. Like that's kind of my goal with my music is to get people thinking about things that they probably don't think about or talk about as much as they should, like things that are happening to other people. It's really important for me to have conversations like these and like I really appreciate the interpretations that you got from it. I know that this is not necessarily just localized to the U of I or just to Illinois, but I know that this continues to to go on is the thoughts that I'm having are about don't mention shit if it doesn't fit or it can't be handled. Culture of tradition, praise the Lord and praise the ammo. And I I keep thinking about the the phrase of the culture of tradition. I keep thinking about U of I and and wanting to hold on to the, the Illini and holding on to like the chief. And it's like, even after it's been retired, people just want to hold on to it. And they don't they don't really know why that's such a symptomatic thing of, I just want to say like white Americans is like, let's, we don't know why we like it, but we just like it. And if you try to take it away or tell us that we shouldn't have liked it in the first place, then that's something to fight about. And so I, I feel like, you know, you started off with a first verse of your own experience. And then this second verse section feels like looking into the window of now you're looking at the way that people treat you maybe in, in, in a certain perspective. What was going through your mind when you were writing that second verse? The first and second 
verse, I think even like most of the third, I was all kind of just one. I was like, I think it was like really late at night, and I just like felt it. I was like, I'm just gonna like write this whole, and like kind of make it like a like an epic. So it's like take you through kind of various parts. Like the first verse is definitely focused on like setting the stage, like childhood and the way people are treated here. And second verse is kind of more like talking about the consequences of the sort of culture that exists in America, specifically like conservative America and how, like you were saying, it's blind tradition kind of like people are so tied to these things that were like passed down from their fathers and all these like beliefs that they don't even want to begin to question or like or abandon or anything. That's always been so frustrating to me and I really wanted to tackle that specifically. I was really in the headspace like of frustration because that's kind of how this whole song like birthed itself was just from so much frustration, you know, having to live with things like this all my life. Because I started writing it in 2020, which is, you know, like quarantine and stuff. There was like lots of protests on police brutality and, you know, the murder of George Floyd and, and that really like got me politically active in a way that I wasn't before. And I think that's like that for a lot of people during that time period. It was just so in your face all the time and like you could not ignore it. I really just started questioning like lots of things that I previously like had believed in. And I think this song was really like confronting the reality that I've always lived in but never really had the words to say up until like now. The thing that I, that that gets me is, so you have kind of a, I want to, say it's like a double hook but the line of no publication will mention them these people are imaginary and then you use that as a repeat that's flowing through the background of when you go into the hook the second time i often think about how my interpretation of the way that that is used the white response to most things are well because it's not my experience then it must not exist and mm-hmm. if it's not being talked about, then it doesn't exist. And the way that it's used in this piece is it's like this undercurrent of like, it's kind of the unspoken thing, but they know it, but they won't acknowledge it. And and I feel like as you're talking about in the equality feels like oppression for the comfy, just enough for some in our land of plenty. I work every day, but still come up fucking empty is what is the melody hook that's going through through that it was this really pretty song i also made the beat three years ago so it's been a really long time since i like heard the original sample i don't know exactly what she's singing because the way i work with samples is usually just like i'll find the loop that i like and just kind of spin it that way those like hook parts which yeah that's accurate they're like the hook i just i found that different loop that i liked and i used it for that as for the no publication will mention them people are imaginary it's just similar sort of lines like like you were saying like people kind of assume that if it's not you know pertinent to their life if they never hear about it it's not going on like the idea of what people are comfortable with i feel like because it's not in like the main news cycle often like all these stories of people like specifically what i kind of am trying to get at in that line is how so many people are just you know deported or booted out of the country you'll never hear about them ever and like if you do it'll just be a number you didn't even get to know the full picture and it's like for some people like this is someone they knew personally like i've had that experience of having someone that i grew up with like get booted and then like no one would even know like no one else would would know besides the people in uh, your immediate circle i don't know it feels like you're going crazy you know Hmm. like you're being gaslit or something these things that are happening but no one would ever even know 
So that's kind of just what I was trying to get at and like put in people's heads. And of course, uh, preceding that was the when men in black vests knock on doors and don't ask questions. Aliens invaders captured into cages for detention. We supposedly put animals in cages and people that, you know, things that don't necessarily have names or, or location, you know, have a history. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I love this but, song, but it is a tough one to talk about. Yeah. I no, I, <laughs> I, um, no, but I, so can I turn a little bit of this on its head is that I love that following that hook, that verse is the bless this brown future and pay attention. These racists are a symptom and raise a greater question. So we've gone from, you know, kind of this self-reflection, then more societal reflection. And then I want to say the third verse, this third verse really points out the privilege that those that are not paying any attention are just enjoying. You know, terrorists storm the Capitol not for justice, but out of carelessness. If that were anyone other than privileged white people, the story would have been completely different. It would have been people that were shot and killed. And if this was written two years ago, was that a more recent verse then? The third verse and also the sort of outro, the complete switch up, that was more recently, like around a year ago-ish when I wrote those parts. So I had this song in my back pocket for a while and I was just kind of thinking of like ways to finish it or like incorporate it. Cause then I knew by then like what beat I wanted to use. I still hadn't thought of like the switch up part and I was, felt like I needed just a little bit more to really like cap off the first part of the song. So I think a good while after January 6th, after that had happened. So that was like already just kind of brewing in my mind for a while. And then I like found the right words to say. And I was like, all right, this is how I'm going to end it. I feel like pivoting into this direction and trying to focus more on like a, I guess, systemic perspective of it. Because I, I do say like, uh, yeah, these racists are a symptom, raise a great question. Like on, on the one hand, you, you should hold like people personally responsible for like their shitty actions, their shitty beliefs and stuff. But it's like the spark or cause for all these people in the first place, I feel like is just the way we have a long, long history of just, you know, building on this terrible foundation of colonization and the dehumanization of other people. After that, I feel like the obsession with capital, with like making more money, with just everything that isn't about making money is not even worth pursuing or thinking about in a critical way. All of that is just what was going through my mind as I was trying to put into words and cap off like the song you do mention capitalism and and the pursuit of funds over and money over human lives or or even things that are i mean even money is not necessarily tangible but i was going to say with with things that are less tangible like you know art music the things that we cherish like the things that are important to us but not important enough which mm -hmm. is always uh mind-boggling when you mentioned that pursuit you know we're we're talking about yes there's this capitalism but yet not capitalism for all like when someone actually pursues something there's still this level of gatekeeping that your your section of the law and order is when federales put kids in cages but the law and order when you get choked out for selling loose cigarettes and it's like this person is just trying to make money to exist, to, li to live, and yet is killed for just seeking out a little bit of money. I mean, it would. Yeah. I mean, 
and and you you bring that back into focus with your talking about your aunt. I remember studying in my kitchen. Your your aunt sat down to have a discussion about a pyramid scheme. Her and my mom was in going on and about the blessings of capitalism. The golden calf, so to speak, is is being sold to everybody, but not necessarily open to everybody. Yeah. I just went off on, on kind of my interpretation, the way that my, you know... I think it's kind of necessary. It's pretty, like, dense. There's a lot of things to, you know, pick apart. Yeah. So, I appreciate it. It leads into the whole, meanwhile, her application for legal status was rejected. Her cancer scare left her sweating bullets, not to mention her citizen kids she has to put through college. I just, I'm not saying she's stupid. I'm just saying, I'm saying we've got to be honest. Your points just keep leading into more points. So, I feel like I started with one line and then I'm like, yeah, but then, okay. We've got to be honest. Acknowledge the disadvantage through poverty is constant. The system is working as intended, outsourced violence hegemonic recantations of the same tired talking points, sworn guardian of democracy, self-appointed, of course. Tell me a little bit about that that whole section there. Just yeah. like, it's, sorry, it's a big section, but it's... Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's definitely the stinger. Like, that's kind of what I want people to... Because that's kind of the last thing you hear before the big switch up. It's sort of building on, like, everything that I had said up until that point. It's kind of like you reach this conclusion where like you know all these terrible things are happening and I think the default response is just to be like, oh, that's horrible, but I don't know what we can do or like people are just like that. It's human nature to be shitty or some shit like that. The way I see it, this is the end point, like the natural end point of the government and the culture that we have in America is to reach this point where people are treated like dog shit if they're not in one certain group even when they are and they're given certain carrots dangled in front of them like a pyramid scheme or something like that you know people get to participate in the system right but they're still treated as second class they're disposable workforce they're like they're not true competitors and it's by design it's just another way to maintain power because you know only in the end like someone has to win someone's got to lose and that's the main closing point that I'm trying to say there. It's horrible. This is horrible. But like kind of trying to get people to realize that that's kind of the point. That's what this leads to. And unless we like do something to radically change that, it's going to be like this. And we can like, you know, we can mope and cry about it, but that's not really action. I feel like there's something more that has to be done if we want to change things like this. Pentimento, did you you produce the whole album, correct? Yeah. Yep. And, and wrote all the lyrics. Yep. And you've been working on it for two years, two plus years, or yeah, it's been yeah. a, quite a while. Wow. I didn't realize that you had, you had produced all of it as well, which is, you know, that's, that's quite the undertaking. Yeah. It took forever. <laughs> the switch up. I, I'm just, I'm curious. You don't necessarily always have such a drastic change in terms of the story that section is really like reclaiming instead of all these things taken from you or, or lo- a loss of control. I feel like this section pulls everything back and lets you have your time to say something. Nobody can 
stop you from saying what you need to say and you get to mm. have it. it it's never enough's enough it's never enough's enough is like rings in my head what brought about this closing to this piece this was also kind of a semi-recent addition because i i originally like i was just like these three verses and then the song would end but i always felt like there needed to be like something more i felt like for like multiple reasons, because I always imagined American Gothic being the halfway point of the album, and it is right now. Like it, it is the halfway point of the album. So I kind of built the album around this moment. It would feel like the second half is sort of like a coming down from that, like this high. So I wanted this to be kind of like the climax. And the way that I yeah. had the song set up now, it's more you know introspective and like very very dense. And I felt like I needed this climax point for the album to like pivot on the song level i did some producing things and made this like second section like switch up and i was like this sounds really really hard i kept like going at it because i really loved the ideas that i was coming up with the lyrical side and like the performance side of it because there's a moment right before the switch up happens i do like a kind of a little skit it's like from the perspective of someone else saying like oh he speaks english so well for a brown person because someone someone has said that to me before and it was like infuriating and so i just kind of like I remembered that, I was like, I'm going to put that in the song, and I'm going to make that right before. Because I kind of wanted to make the point that, like, I'll say, I can say all these things that I've been saying, right? But, like, at the end of the day, it's on the person to, like, listen, and if they don't want to listen, like, if they don't want to listen to, like, my articulated points or, like, mm. what I have to say for real, then, like, why, why do I have to bring myself down to, might as well bring myself down to their level and just start screaming. That second part is kind of, like, just a pure rebellion, like, being like, okay, Fuck it, if you don't want to listen to me while I'm like talking, I'm gonna scream now. And just like all the frustration, all the anger, all that just kind of explodes into this big climax, which is kind of how I brought that on. It's it's a drastic, wonderful like turn. I, I want to ask, why was this the piece that you wanted to talk about today? So you had asked me like, what was my favorite song I wrote? And I'd say like, definitely on production level, I love this song. I love the concept of it. I love how it turned out. Performance-wise and lyrically, like, I think it's one of the best songs I ever wrote. I knew it was going to be the hard song to talk about because it's, you know, there's lots of layers. You have to talk about them. It's just a very dense song to try to pick apart because there's so many uh, messages that I'm trying to convey and difficult topics that I'm trying to cover. But that's sort of my whole modus operandi as, as an artist is I want to do that. And I feel like this is the perfect example of a song where I do that. And so right now, it's probably one of the best songs I have written. And I, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community 
community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Gennaro, what is your favorite Champagne Urbana venue? And that can be like a DIY space. It can be um, a local business. It can be anything. I mean, it could be someone's backyard, which I guess would be DIY. But I'm I'm way more in touch with the DIY scene here in in Champagne. One of my friends runs this little venue called 404 House Not Found. Yeah, he 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 throws shows like. Um, semi-regularly, but they're always my favorite just because I love the people that go there. He always brings really, really good bands, like the whole, all, all that group. Um, I think their their productivity, that's the group that kind of runs those shows. They, they're just like super clean about the, the way they do it, and they set up like a really nice space for it. Mm. And so I always just have like a great time whenever I go there. But last night I went to the Spice Rack. Th- that place is also great. I, I love them. Do you have a, a favorite, I guess you could say like, moment in Champaign-Urbana going to a concert or something that's super memorable for you? I go almost every weekend. Like, I'm a sophomore, so last year was my first year coming here to Champaign. I kind of discovered, like, the DIY scene on my own and through a few friends, too. And once I, like, found this place, because my, my hometown doesn't have, like, a big music scene or anything, so it was, like, amazing to me to be, like, there's people who just go out here every weekend throw shows and like get an audience and shit and and like people like it like people like to be involved in the music scene here and it was so like rejuvenating i think one of the first shows i went to or it might have been the first house show i went to was at 404 and there was this band called needlepoint i was just like you know being so alienated from like a local music scene and then like feeling like you just like fit in a crowd completely and like as you're listening to this music and you just like start like moshing and, and shit it's just it felt so cathartic that was it like stuck in my mind i was just like yeah i'm in the place where i need to be like i'm around the people that i should be right now honestly i think that one of the best things about champagne urbana is like the variety of different genres and things that you can see of different expressions of humans playing music and creating as somebody who is a student at the U of I and this is your sophomore year we've got like the campus music scene and then we've got like the Champaign-Urbana music scene and sometimes they overlap and we have places like the Canopy Club and we've got Channing Murray they can represent simultaneously the the Champaign-Urbana music scene and the campus scene and have them seem as if they're exactly the one and the same. And how do you think would be a good way to get those two to mesh? Do you, do you see a way of getting those two to kind of overlap? I am definitely more involved on like the campus scene, but I feel like especially Spice Rack in particular, they kind of get local artists who don't go to like UIUC and they kind of bring them in with acts that do. I feel like they're already kind of creating that space where we're getting people to collide. I love it, especially like from my experience, because being a part of the hip hop collective, we're trying to also form some bridges with the community and try to like get more involved and create like a bigger like hip hop presence here. I remember there was a show in the spring. It was one of the last ones I saw before going home for the summer. Uh, on the bill, it was it was all like a hip-hop night. Part of it was people on campus, like some of my friends that I knew, and people from Hip-Hop Collective and stuff. And then other of it was people from like the local scene who were up and coming and, 
or, or like established here and like have made a name for themselves and stuff. It was just really fun to interact and see those people like perform side by side. I want to form more of a bridge and like start like collaborating and stuff broadly. I feel like another place too where that sometimes happens is the Rose Bowl. And mm -hmm. I, I really like the Rose Bowl. They're, they're awesome. So I feel like they always throw really nice shows. So yeah, I think that's another avenue you could probably start forming connections like that. Huh. What makes a good music scene or what makes a really good music community to you? For me, again, because I haven't really like had the chance. I wish, I really wish I was more, I had like a better environment growing up with people, you know, with a local music scene and uh, or just going to concerts in general because I haven't really had the chance to even go to concerts that much until like recently. So I'll say like, I'm still kind of learning the ins and outs of the culture of, of like local music scenes and stuff like that. But for me, like, I guess the biggest part is having just like a good safe crowd. It feels like when I go to a, a, a DIY scene, like, and, and I'm in the crowd, like, I'm in good hands. Like, no one's gonna like think horrible. Or if, or, or, or if, you know, if someone gets hurt or something, like, they're caring people. They would stick out for each other and stuff. They're not just strangers in the crowd or like, I think they feel connected through the music and through like, the experience that there's like a sense of camaraderie and like I, I really like that feeling. I feel like that's lost in like a big, you know, concert or whatever because then that's a bunch of randos like they, they'd trample you if they could, like right. if they need to something. But because I, I remember one of the first shows that I went to like last year, there was like a pretty big crowd and and there was like a band that was like going really hard. So like the, the crowd was moshing. There, there was a moment where I think people just kind of shifted wrong and a lot of people like fell onto the floor and like everyone like stopped and like picked people up and like did yeah. it, they, they, you know, it's just, there's like a sense of camaraderie there. And I feel like that's really important for like a local music scene. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old-school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Junie, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? It's like such a hard thing to answer because like music is by and large my favorite thing ever. But uh, besides that, like uh, this also kind of goes along with the music, but just writing in general. Uh, I mean, I like to write poetry uh, a mm. lot. I've dabbled in like uh, fiction sort of, but I'm really bad at it. So I, I but like poetry, I, I really love poetry and I wish I was better at reading it and like reading in general, but writing is really, really fun. That's probably like the thing I do second most just because, you know, it's so easy. Like anyone, if you just, you know, have a your phone or like a pen and pad or anything, just writing is so cathartic. I've always been like better with words than anything else. Like I'm terrible mm. at drawing and 
I'm terrible at like shit like that. I'm better at writing than anything else with words. Huh. Do you enjoy writing fiction or is that just you wanted to try it out and it just wasn't for you? I used to do it more when I was way younger. It's definitely so much more involved. I feel like I, I don't have too much mental bandwidth because I feel like fiction is such a... It's like making an album like where you just need to dedicate so much time and thought and everything to it and like I already have so much of that mental bandwidth spent on music and so for me fiction is just like it doesn't it, there's not enough motivation for me to like see it all the way through like to see a story all the way through or like or even like a short story really but I mean the few times I've tried it it's fun but I'm just kind of like bad at it like the technicality yeah. and stuff like that I'm kind of bad at like just getting the motivation to see it all the way through I was just curious if it was in the end you just didn't really care for it there's so many times where we give up on something because we don't or or we don't you know, don't want to pursue it because it's like, oh, I'm just bad at that. But I was curious if you were like, you really enjoyed it and it, but it just didn't pan out for you or something. So mm -hmm. I was just curious when you write poetry, are you more of an image person? Or are you like a form person? Just curious, what style of poetry do you like to write the most? For me, like the reason I kind of love poetry is I feel like it's more of like a low commitment type thing where you can just like pick it up write something in like not too long and then come back to it later if you want to edit it down to make it better and stuff like that for me it's whenever i write poetry i kind of i love just letting the emotions flow out and like in whatever way that manifests like if i you know because sometimes maybe i want to lean more into imagery and other times just kind of want to lean in more into this sort of stream of consciousness type like thing it's always just kind of trying to bring like like manifest some sort of feeling from like a big stew of just i don't know emotions i don't know it's it, I, I don't know how to like describe it but whenever whenever i write it's always because like i feel like i need to and it doesn't feel like something that i huh. uh like have to sit down and be like like it's not something where i have to sit down and feel like it's a chore or something i always like come to writing as as a sort of the way I used to describe it, or like how I describe also like with making music and stuff, it's kind of like breathing to mm. me. It's not, not that it's easy, but just that like I do it because I feel like I need to do it in order to like feel healthy, mm. you know? So it's like not everything is meant for other people to read, but like it's something very cathartic for me. And It's about creating words, right? Not, you know, yeah. just, just getting them down. Do these poems ever turn into verses for your songs or, or are, are they, are they kind of like that they, they shall never meet? I'll say for me, like, since I'm a rapper, I make like rap lyrics, the mental roadmap in my head for when I write a verse for versus when I write a poem is like very different for me with poetry. I let go of those restraints because when I'm trying to write a rap verse, I'm thinking of it in like a very structural way where I'm like, this is, you know, a verse with 16 bars i'm gonna set up like a rhyme scheme for four lines with like these end lines and like these you know i want it to be like this long or whatever i'm thinking of a rap verse in that way but when i think of poetry i kind of like free myself from all those restraints and i'm just like thinking of like what do i want to say right now and what is like the best way i could say it and so i don't have to think about like you know rhyming this so that this or like how many lines do i need for this i know some poetry is like that and that can be fun too like constraints is is fun because you know sonnets are fun and like other forms of poetry like that i like to write that too but that's still also very different from like a rap verse i'd say and so for me like poetry i do it for like a different reason than i 
write rap lyrics. And sometimes, very rarely, they will turn into a song. Actually, the second to last song on my album, that first part is like originally a poem that I just decided like, yeah, I'm going to use that because it sounds cool. But for the most part, like the poetry stays in its own world. The rap stays in its other world. I think most people would make that generalization that, you know, if you write poetry, you know, that that will turn into a song or it'll turn into a rap or turn into a verse, you know. It sounds like for you, they serve very different functions in your everyday life. Do you look at writing your music as kind of the fine point of what you discover through writing your poetry or... What's a better way to ask that question? As I say, I, I, you're definitely getting at it. Like for me, I don't know how many other people are like it, but when I want to make a new song, I always want to, you know, make it a, about something. And sometimes trying to discover like the thing that I want to write about is like a process. Like I have to, you know, like I'll have like a rough like inkling of it and it's sort of like in my mind fuzzy and I'm like, I know there's something I want to write about. But I need to, like, pick at it and try to, like, slowly form the image of, like, what is it that I'm trying to say or what do I want to say? And I feel like poetry is all about that. Like, having this sort of vague blob in your mind and you're trying to, like, pick it out with words and until, like, and in the end you look at it and you're like, oh, that's what I was trying to say. And that's mm. usually, like, a, a jumping off point for me to then write a verse about it or something like that. Junie, thank you for being on the show and telling me all about your song American Gothic off of your album Pentimento. I've really appreciated being able to just meet up even hopefully at some point we get to to meet each other in real life but um, just taking that extra time and chatting with me I, I really appreciate it so thank you for being on the show. Of course uh, thank you for having me it's been a great time I, I, I also hope to see you sometime in person because that'd be awesome but thank you. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Gennaro Jr. reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio South Beaker on the inside.